So uh, this morning I want to continue on just a little bit of what I started a few weeks ago in regards to partnering with God and the nature of fellowship or koinonia, as the word is in the Greek, of what does it mean to partner with, with God in life. Um, before I get too deep into that, just want to say thanks uh, for praying for uh, my brother Pete and uh, for the many of you who have been praying for him, he uh, he um, had his surgery yesterday to remove the um, the cancer that was in part of his bowel, and um, it was a seven hour op, I think. And so, he was, but he's he's busy. He must be doing all right because his phone is buzzing nonstop this morning with he's texting this that and everyone else. And so, but anyway, um, so he's come through the surgery really well, and so we're just waiting for some more. Um, results in the course of this week but um, the doctors were really happy with the surgery and um, the process so far so thanks for um, for praying for Pete and uh, we appreciate that kind of love in action uh, through you um, last um, last week I was praying with someone up the front here during ministry time and I was as I was praying with them Neil had just Neil MacArthur had just finished um, this great bit of teaching on how God relates to us through the nature of covenant, and um, and how through the um, you know the 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 biblical account, the long story of God through the whole Bible, at different stages and ways, God related to His people through particular covenants, and they all had particular ways about them in in terms of the nature of how they functioned, but they were also very powerful covenants in revealing aspects of who God is and and how he wants to relate to his people, to his created order and to all things. And so um, as I was... and, And Neil used the word, those covenants are like a lens through which we can see and understand God um, and how we can, we can understand how he wants to have relationship with us. And as I was praying with someone up the front here, I found myself grabbing my glasses a lot as I uh, was praying for them. And I was like, as I was praying for them, I said, you know, I, th- I think maybe it's like God just wants to give you a new lens, like a new set of glasses, just to be able to see clearly how he's relating to you right now uh, through the person of Jesus. And, um, and I said, I found myself saying to them, I don't know what your life is like, but my life is I'm now at a stage where annually every year I have to go to the optometrist to get my eyes checked because in the course of a year, I think you're wearing new lenses today, Trent. Yes, you are. Yeah, I thought I could. Yeah, you're looking good. <laughs> um, yeah, new new glasses. Well done, buddy. Uh, but every year, I'm discovering that my the capacity of my natural eye is actually um, a little more diminished, and I need more help on a more regular basis to be able to see clearly in the natural. And it's just like that with the um, with with what God wants to do with our life on a regular like basis, constantly giving us this refreshed lens of understanding of who he is and his great love for us in the person of Jesus. And so um, in this season in which we find ourselves, um, God is uh, really generously pouring his spirit out. Um, and in doing that, one of, the, one of the things that's coming to the surface as God is moving by his spirit, both here and other other parts of you know the country that I get to go and visit and listen to people and see what God's doing is that he is re-envisioning people with the lens of who Jesus is and the greatness of who Jesus is and as we get a real eyeful of Jesus we actually get to understand ourselves even better and come into a whole new way of living life and so that's that's coming to the surface all over the place, as the Spirit is being poured out, there's an elevation of seeing clearly Jesus and all of the reality 
that he has won for our human experience that we can now live in. So today I want to just continue to talk a little bit about how God is actually giving all of us a new lens through the power of the Holy Spirit that we might be able to partner with God. Now the Christian experience is, uh, you know, far from a magic bullet, far from a magic pill, far from any of that. The Christian experience is one where God has clearly made himself known in the person of Jesus, taking on flesh and making his dwelling among us so that we could see God and get a handle on God. And at the same time, in seeing Jesus, we see our true self as what a human being fully flourishing could look like and does look like in relationship to God and others and the created order. And if if there's anything that Paul would encourage, he's and I'm, I mean, Paul makes a lot of encouragements through his writings, but one of them is this. He says in Galatians 5, 25, he says, if you live by the Spirit, keep in step with the Spirit. And that it's, it's a simple encouragement, but it's a powerful one because the Spirit is always wanting to empower us to see clearly, see who Jesus is, see ourselves clearly, and be able to see our context clearly. So the Spirit is moving. A couple of weeks ago, I mentioned how Nicole and I have been actively engaged in a spiritual warfare season through prayer, and the nature of that warfare has been one of thanksgiving. And at the same time, we've been praying for the Father, to the Father, that his kingdom would come and bring greater freedom to his people and to the lost and to our region and to our country and to the far reaches of the earth. We've, we've been in this place of, God, please bring your kingdom as in our place of prayer that freedom would reign. And we've been asking him to pour out the light of his presence and his kingdom to bear upon us. And in his loving way, gosh, ever since we've been praying like that, I feel like he's been, he's been busy doing this, but he's just like invited us to join him in how he is already interceding for us at the right hand of the Father. It's like we've been sucked up into the prayer life of Jesus. And as a result of that, all of a sudden, we are now engaged in this whole litany of relationships and circumstances and situations where his light is bearing in and bearing on and bringing life. And as a part of that, it means people, we're actually seeing ourselves as we truly are. And... Um, if there's a book I want to recommend this morning, it was recommended to me again during the course of this week. I'll recommend it to you as well. It's um, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality by Peter Scazzaro. Get a hold of it and get into it. Thus endeth the sermon. Get a hold of it and get into it. Scazzaro's good stuff. So he, he just uses the illustration and the story of his own personal walk with God as a pastor of a church. One day he woke up and his wife just said to him, hey, listen, I'm not coming to your church anymore. And he said, what? Why? What? You know, and he couldn't understand. But along the way, what had happened is um, he had lost touch with reality and he'd gone from relationship to religion and frameworks of expectation and control. And in the middle of all of that, his wife said, I don't want anything to do with that. And I don't want anything to do with a church like that. And if you're going to build a church like that, I'm not coming. And so she left. She stayed in the marriage, but she said, I'm leaving your church. And that sent Scazzaro on a whole journey with God. And he, like, he likened himself to, um, you know, the iceberg that sunk the Titanic. And the iceberg that sunk the Titanic, you've probably all seen the movie um, or seen a documentary or two, but the iceberg that sunk the Titanic, it wasn't what was above the waterline that sunk the boat. It was what was hidden underneath the waterline that gouged the boat and as a result of that sunk the boat. And so the Lord in his kindness took Scazzaro on a journey of going, you know what, Peter, we need to deal with the stuff that you're hiding under the waterline so that you can understand who you are, how you're behaving and we can set you free from that and bring you into 
the lordship of Jesus and the freedom and the life that he's won for you. So get a hold of it. Have you, The name, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, you can get it as an e-book um, by Peter Scazzaro. But in the, God in his kindness over this last month or so, wherever Nicole and I are engaging, engaging in conversations with spiritual leaders, people who are having influence in marketplace and business, um, marriage relationships, parent-child relationships, the goodness of God is bearing down with his light because he, he wants to set his people free into wholeness. And so God has come to bring light to what's under the waterline. And he wants to recreate his good kingdom purpose in that space. Brad said, you've got to sit in the pain for a little bit. You've got to wait for God to come and meet you in that spot so that he can set you free and walk you out of there and into the wholeness of a new life in Christ. God loves for us to see him clearly and he longs for us to see ourselves clearly. In this season of the Holy Spirit being poured out in greater measure and increasingly so, we see God drawing people into that greater reality of that psalm that I read earlier, Psalm 139. I think I've got it up here. Uh, let me see if I'm going here. Oop. <laughs> Maybe I'm not. There we go. Uh, no, next one. Let me just... Oh, yeah, I can do it now. Thanks. Psalm 139, the Passion Translation, reads it like this. God, I invite your searching gaze into my heart. Examine me through and through. Find out everything that may be hidden in me and put me to the test and sift through my anxious cares and lead me back to your glorious and everlasting ways, the path that brings me back to you. The path that brings me back to you. God is in, in the business of relationships. He wants us to be in relationship with him. So this morning I want to take a brief look at the miracle that takes place in the, in the life of a person when they say yes to Jesus. There's all sorts of different groups that will use all sorts of different language depending on tradition and history and church cultures that you have historically belonged to or maybe you've never belonged to a church before and this may be all new for you. But... Um, Neil brought some really great teaching last week and I want to just start to unpack how the miracle of being born again is a new creation miracle and it's the beginning of a great journey of transformation. It's a beginning journey of a great transformation of the heart of a person. So let me quickly go to the, um, the back story. Every good story needs a backstory. So here, let's go back to the backstory, way back there in Genesis. Um, so we see in the Genesis account that God makes Adam and Eve, and he makes them in his image, image bearers of God. Basically, um, the, the, the human uh, experience was one where we were fully alive to God in, the, in Adam and Eve. We see the fullness of God with them, walking in the cool of the day. Great intimacy, fellowship, oneness, fully alive to God. And as, as they're alive to God, they're also bearing the image of God into creation. So creation is the beneficiary of a human being being fully alive to God. So there's this two, there's that dynamic, being an image bearer. It's like a, um, a, a, um, a mirror, but reflected on an angle. So it's like, that, just like that light is coming at me, if I had a mirror here, I could kind of reflect the light so that it might bounce back at you. So it's like the human are fully alive under God, bearing his image, sharing that image into the world. In fact, God says, you know, have dominion over the created order and all of that sort of stuff. And that's all going great guns. And at the same time, the human experience was that all of creation was being reflected back to God in worship through the fully alive human. So there's these two roles that the human being plays. One is to reflect God into creation and to bring all of the praise and worship of creation back to God. That's, that's, that's how it's laid out in the backstory. 
Okay. Now, in the backstory, we always know there's something sinister that's going to happen in the backstory. Well, in this backstory, there is a spiritual war going on, and that manifests in such a way that the kingdom of darkness, the ruler and, uh, and the reigner, or the princedom of evil, comes and challenges the human being and says, did God really say you can't eat from that tree over there? Did God really say? And then he says, and then the enemy says, you know, God doesn't want you to eat that because if you do, your eyes will be opened up and you'll actually become like God. Well, the human beings in the backstory, Adam and Eve, they fell sucker to that lie because they already were made in the image of God. They already had that place of high standing in the created order of all things. Above everything else, the pinnacle of God's creation was the human being. And they already had that place. But then they fall sucker to that lie and they believe the lie over what God has already declared them to be. And by giving yield to the lie they actually give away their true identity and they now allow everything and everyone to actually tell them and inform them who they are and they're no longer being informed by who made them. How often do we find ourselves tearing around the place looking for a sense of understanding we do it by comparing, by looking, by measuring. We use all sorts of tools of like income. How much do you earn? Do I earn? What, where do you live? What house do you own? Where, what's, what's the size of your superannuation? Oh, look at the health of my family over your family. You name it. You know, it, the list just goes on and culture is prolific at telling us how to measure ourselves by everything other than the one who's made us. And so we keep empowering the lies by giving them authority to tell us who we are. And this is the story, of the long story of God. And the tragedy of what happened in that moment is that Adam and Eve went from being fully alive to God and tend to sin, they actually became fully alive to sin and dead to God. That was the impact of it. And Paul goes on and says uh, in Romans 12, he describes it like this. Adam's sin brought death, so death spread to everyone, for everyone sinned. That's just, that's the human condition. That is the human condition. Everyone has been touched by this thing in the backstory of God. And we now see that humanity is marred by the power and the effects of sin at every level of the human experience. Well, let's jump forward a little bit in the, in the story of God, the prophetic hope. No, I'm not talking about Star Wars here. Um, but the prophetic hope, let's just, there's so much of the, the prophetic hope through all of the prophets of God. All of the prophets of God, if you read through them, the major prophets, the minor prophets, the, the guys that get big chunks of scripture and the guys that get little chunks of scripture. There's this prophetic voice of God that says, I am going to make everything all right because I'm committed to blessing the world and bringing the world back into my covenant promise to Abraham. So anyway, let's have a look at Ezekiel. In Ezekiel, it's a great prophetic word from God to, to the people of Israel, his people who are now long devastated, living Without their inheritance, they're, they're all bruised, battered and everything else because in their rebellion, they keep being more alive to sin than obedient to God. And the net effect of all of that is they find themselves in a mess, lost from their homelands and so forth. And in the middle of all of that, there comes this prophetic hope, this voice through Ezekiel. And the heart of God says... I will give you a new heart. This is, this is all on God's end. He is so committed to what he, his original story. I will give you a new heart and I will put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. 
And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful of all my, to keep my laws. I mean, wow, how amazing is God that on his end, he looks at the desperation of our inability of the human experience to actually be more alive to God than dead, and dead to, than dead to sin. And he says, it's all right. I will make a way for you and I will give you a new heart. I will give you a heart that is fleshy, that is soft. It's not hard. It's not like in the days of the rebellion. It's one that is receptive to the love, the light, the presence, the power of the Holy Spirit. And he not only says, I'll give you a new heart, he says, I will give you a new spirit, the human spirit that it would look like what it was meant to before Adam and Eve became alive to sin and dead to God. So there's the prophetic hope, the backstory, the hope, and then there's the hope fulfilled. Jesus comes along, he gets on the scene, and what does he say? The time has come, the kingdom of God is near, repent and believe the good news. Jesus then goes on to reveal that God's project Humanity is now being restored in his son, Jesus. God is now restoring project humanity through his son, Jesus. Jesus, who is God taking on human flesh and making his dwelling among us. Now, Neil's kind of alluded to this last weekend, that making his dwelling among us, that's John's language in John's gospel, but it's also the language of dwelling, meaning like he set up camp, built a tent and said, let's hang out together. And in fact, what he's actually doing there is in using that language, he's reaching way back into the promise of God that, hey, I will be with you like I was in the desert of old. And that remember that portable tent that they walked around for 40 years with? <laughs> well, the reason why that tent was there, because it was the meeting place of heaven and earth, right there in the temple. That's why the temple, the Holy of Holies, in the actual temple that was built once they moved into the land, it was the meeting place where God and people, heaven and earth, met. God has always been on about restoring the heavens and the earth and he's reconciling all of them and has done so in the person of Jesus. So Jesus, hope fulfilled, all of a sudden we see in Jesus taking on flesh and making his dwelling among us, tenting with us, camping with us, taking on, he is now showing us what it looks like to walk around where heaven and earth are meeting. And that's the human experience, where heaven and earth meet. He's doing it in human flesh. Now, these are all big terms and big ideas that I'm kicking around here, but I'm just trying to keep it really like nuts and boltsy so you can get a handle on this stuff because it's really important to understand what God's doing in us and through us. And I'll, I'll unpack that very shortly. But Jesus goes on to reveal to us what God really was on about when he took on flesh and made his dwelling among us. Jesus went on to live then as a human being with this new heart and new spirit underneath the power of the Holy Spirit, proclaiming the kingdom and doing the works of the kingdom and reconciling people from their brokenness unto the goodness of God. This is what Jesus was doing when he walked around, healed the sick, fed the poor, took the disenfranchised, made, called them family, and then at the same time went to the cross, broke the power of sin and death, becoming sin, taking all of it like a sin offering, taking it on himself, going and conquering the enemy who once lied way back in the backstory. He had to go and fix the backstory. So he conquered the backstory, rose again, and rules and reigns forevermore. And now he says to anyone, anyone, Man, woman, child, irrespective, age, gender, race, irrespective of all of that, he says, anyone who believes in me, they now get to come into my kingdom and they become a heaven and earth person walking around right where they are. Now, 
this is all really big. But how does, the, how does it all happen? How does the new hope actually play out in us? Well, you may remember the story of when uh, a, a guy called Nicodemus went banging on Jesus' door one night in the middle of the night. At John chapter 3. And Nicodemus is supposed to be a guy who understands the things of God, a teacher of the law. He comes along and he says, boom, 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 Jesus, how, I, what do we do to you know, enter this kingdom thing that you're talking about? And uh, Jesus comes along and he says to Nicodemus, I tell you the truth, no one can see. No one gets this lens the, of the kingdom of God unless he's born again. What do you mean? And Nicodemus, if you go and read the story, Nicodemus is like, what do you mean? How do I enter my mother's womb again for a second time? What, what are you talking about? And Jesus talks about those who are being born from above, born from the rule and reign and the will of God, coming alive to the work of God for them in Jesus. And so um, Jesus is the key to being born again. Now, I just want to quickly point out to you just a few little bits about the human, the human condition. Um, whoop, let me go there. Uh, those circles on the left there are just an illustration of how um, the human being is built and how we function. Made up of a spirit where we become aware of God. That's that part of us that is alive to God through Christ. Or if you've never received Christ, then that part of you needs to be born again. This is the bit that Jesus is saying, hey, Nicodemus, this part of you, this spirit, this very core of who you are needs to be born again. And uh, so that's the bit that needs to be born again. Now, around, as also as a part of who we are, is our soul, which is our personality, our reasoning, our emotions, our will, our thinkings, our um, thought life and so forth. Um, and, and this is how we, you know, um, engage with, uh, uh, with others and ourselves. And then lastly is our body, which is where we interact with the world and others through our senses. Now, the bit that Jesus goes after here, which is the fulfillment of the, um, the Ezekiel the Ezekiel prophetic hope is, I will give you a new spirit and a new heart and I will even give you my spirit. That's where it lands in the human being. This is where this is being played out in you and me, in the very core of who we are. We receive, when we are born again, the prophetic hope that Ezekiel prophesied. Deep in our spirit, we get a new human spirit. Um, I'm, I'm unsure of what your personal experience was the day you met Christ or the day you decided to meet Christ. Whether it was dramatic or not, this is a gift of God that we receive by faith. And that's why we're saying, I choose to believe that you are who you say you are, God, and this offer of a new life in you, I say thank you for it and I receive it by faith in the person of Jesus. Whether it's dramatic or not, in that moment, the human spirit becomes a place that is now more alive to God than it is to the power of sin. Whereas once we were like Project Adam, dead to sin, uh, dead to God and alive to sin, now it's been flipped by the kindness of God. He's invaded who we are and now we are alive to God and dead to sin in that space. You're a beautiful creation right there in the core of who you are. How God sees you, faultless through the person of Jesus. Every Everything, there's no, there is he is completely enamoured with who you are in your spirit. Just let that sink through your own personal affront about yourself. Just let that push through that a little bit. God loves you. God loves you. 
In fact, the scripture says God loved the world so much that he sent his son. God is into his family and he wants his family back. He is wanting to bring many sons and daughters to glory, Hebrews says. He wants his family back. And this is where it begins. We're born again. This is where that plays out in you and me. We receive a new heart. And in this moment, there is a transaction that fundamentally takes place in the core of our spirit and our heart where we are no longer before God sinners. We are fundamentally changed in that space in us to saints. All Paul's letters, he writes them to the saints of God here, to the saints of God there, to the saints of God here. There is a fundamental shift at the very core of who we are. Now, that then has to find its way out through us. It's a bit like microwave technology. Remember when that first stuff came out, microwaves? You throw them in, and what was the key about those things? They heat from the inside out. It was the first time like that sort of technology had hit the world. Up until then, it was you shove it in the oven, and it heats it from the outside in. Well, what's taking place here is that the spirit of the living God now, the power of the kingdom has now in your moment of, of realisation saying yes to Jesus that you are now being cooked from the inside out. It starts in your spirit and then it finds its way out through. It's all right. I feel like the tent of meeting's about to lift off here. <laughs> um, the... Um, we're being the, then from our spirit, it finds its way out through us, radiates out through us. Paul uses the language in Philippians 2 of shining like a star in the universe. You shine like stars in the universe. How is it that we shine like stars? Because God has done something deep in the core of who we are. It's now finding its way out through us in the way that we think the way that we act, the way that we love, the way that we choose to engage with any other person on the planet or any other circumstance. By the way that we do that, that thing, that new life, that born-again creation of God in you is coming alive and it literally shines like stars in the universe. You know how you walk into a room and you can pretty much, well, maybe I'm, this is just me, But sometimes I can walk into a room and without too much trouble, I can pretty much gauge the mood of people. Uh, Maybe you've had this experience in the workplace uh, where you go into the workplace and you step into the office today and you go, "Mm, gee, it's a bit icy in here today. Or, oh, gee, what have I done? Is everything all right? So-and-so seems to be a little out of sorts with me here. What's going on? Or... Gosh, I looked at so-and-so's face and, my gosh, what's happened to them? Yesterday they were, like, really happy. Today I'm like, looks like they've been hit by a truck or something inside. Emotionally they're, like, cranky or short. So You, you can pick... The, the, what I'm trying to get at is what's going on on the inside will always be revealed on the outside. Always. Spending a lot of time in intimate relationship with Jesus or not, it shows. It shows. Just like being a new born-again creation in God, our spirit comes alive to him, we begin to see ourselves like God sees us. We begin to see ourselves in the righteousness of God in Jesus Christ, forgiven of our sin, freed from all oppression. We are alive in here to God. Craig, you're getting this, aren't you, man? (laughs) It's like that river's just hitting you and washing over you. This is good. (laughs) We're alive to God. And then... 
not only do we come alive, but as we come alive, we become alive to each other. We become alive to each other and we see each other like God sees each other in the righteousness of God in Jesus Christ. We are born again. Now, the daily journey from this point on, the daily journey will be learning how, to, how your soul will partner with what the Spirit of God has done in you. Now, your new orientation in the Spirit, in who you are, where God resides with the Holy Spirit and you've been born again internally, that, that place now will begin to, by the power of the Spirit, inform, inform your soul. It will begin to inform how you think about God. It will begin to inform how, how if Jesus was here, which he is in you through the power of the Spirit, how Jesus would engage with this person. But there, come, there, there comes a point now where it's like old thinking patterns, even about ourselves, will get poked by the Spirit of God living in us because we're coming alive and we'll say, hey, I want to set you free from that I'm going to break the power of the way you think about yourself like that and bring you into a whole new way of life. Uh, this is a transforming work of God. starts deep within and then starts finding its way out. You know, when I, when I came to Christ, I had a real, like, I had a number of vices going on in my life that I was hanging on to and reaching into for all sorts of just weird and broken reasons but when Jesus gave me a new heart and a new spirit and filled me with his spirit and my heart became fleshy then all of a sudden those vices though they were there still in my flesh there was something deeper in me that was going yeah I just don't want to reach to them anymore the appetite for them was was waning because the spirit man, who I was in Jesus, was coming alive. And God was saying, hey, mate, you don't need that anymore. I love you too much to leave you there. Come on, I'll bring you into freedom from all these vices. And it was, it was not, let me tell you, it was not about any moral decision at all. It was purely, purely the love of God. <laughs> purely the love of God who says, mate, I love you. I'm going to set you free. And he did. Now, let me tell you, from the time I met Jesus to the time I was actually able to fully give away some of those vices at the outer edges of my flesh, that was a journey. But by the kindness of God, I was alive to who he was. I was dying to the power of sin and I was getting a whole new way of living life called the kingdom of God. I didn't have to give myself away. I didn't have to give my money away. I didn't have to give my thought life away anymore. I didn't have to give anything away because God loved me and had set me free. And I was coming more alive to that every day. Paul says that, doesn't he? Consider yourself now what to sin? Dead. Dead to sin and, he says, alive to God. That's the new orientation, the posture of the person who's been born again in God. You're being cooked like a microwave oven. You're in a microwave. Did you know that if you've been said yes to Jesus? You're being cooked from the inside out. Have you ever had something go in the microwave that, like, it's cooking and it's like, it's a really good smell. It fills the house. Hmm. Your senses come alive. God's bringing us alive at the, at, in our senses as well. The way we touch. Health, what does healthy touch look like? to be able to touch another human being with health, with life. Physical touch, what, what does that look like in the kingdom of God? I mean, God is wanting to bring us back to Adam, fully alive to God. The Christian journey from this point on into maturity is the daily coming alive in our soul, in our will. Hey, Kirk, would you do this for me? Do you ever get a daily, like, I, 
I show up every day and I say, Jesus, what's on? <laughs> and he says, well, I'm glad you asked. Would you, would you do this for me? Right at that, <laughs> right at that moment, I, I have to partner with the power of the Spirit alive in me to bring my will to what he is asking of me every day. And, you know, the fight, the argument between me and God on some of those things is I'm, the wisdom of God is starting to grow in me. I, you know what? It's, it is quicker just to say, yes, Lord, and follow rather than to fight this one. I might be the only one in that space. But anyway, that's called the wisdom of God. And maybe I should have learned it earlier and then I could have kept my hair. But anyway, but I'm coming alive to God in my will, in my choices, my beliefs, my attitudes, my feelings, my emotions, my memories. So that the way I choose to use my body, my senses, is also fully alive and informed by the power of the new me in Jesus Christ. That's what Jesus was getting at when Nicodemus came knocking on his door. This was the hope that Isaiah prophesied, uh, Ezekiel was prophesying that God would do it work one day because God wants to restore all things. And so now we're learning to, now we're learning to see ourselves with this new lens the person of Jesus. Paul says it like this. Um, whoop. Oh, gosh, I don't know what I did there. I went too far. Let me go back a little bit. Huh. Maybe I didn't write it down. Paul says it like this. If Christ is in you, Romans 8, your body is dead because of sin, yet your spirit is alive because of righteousness. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who lives in you. See, God wants us to come fully alive. And this is a daily, ongoing, maturing experience where the new creation miracle of coming alive to God through entering the kingdom of Jesus brings life to our human experience and journey. Nowhere does the New Testament ever articulate that the new birth results in instantaneous, sinless perfection. Nowhere other than in your spirit man. It's a journey, folks. It's a journey of transformation to the greater glory of God and to the well-being of others. Paul says it like this. Here's the new lens. Uh, yeah, that's it. This is how we begin to view things. And I'll land the plane here. So from now on, being born again, come alive to God in Christ Jesus, we regard no one anymore from a worldly point of view. Lens. Though once we regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he, she is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. And all of this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and now has given us this ministry of reconciliation that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting men's sins against them. Thank God for that. And he has committed to us this message of reconciliation. And we are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin a sin offering for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. The impact of this, if, if we truly give ourselves over to the ongoing powerful work of the Holy Spirit in who we are as born again new creation miracles of God, 
as being restored unto God and seeing as righteous before God in both posture and in nature, in our spirit man. The impact of that working its way out through our life is that we are making an appeal to the world that's saying, be reconciled to God because this is what it looks like to truly be a human being, fully flourishing and fully alive. The Holy Spirit in this season is calling us into a more empowered life in Christ. God needs in this time a church who is alive every day to the miracle of the fact that we have been born again and that we no longer are slaves to ourself or to the enemy. He has committed this work to us by his love and his spirit in us for the sake of the world. For the sake of the world. And right now our world needs to see a better story being lived. Desperately. One where there is fullness of life. Right now the world is crying out for someone to please, please show us another way. The prophetic hope of Ezekiel is now available for all people on planet Earth. You can live another way. You can know what it means to be free. You can know what it means to be set free from sin and be forgiven. You can know what it means to live fully alive in the power of the Holy Spirit, in you and through you. You can now partner with God who is alive in you to see your will, your emotions, your thinking, your life and your flesh fully flourishing. No longer slaves. We sang that song today, didn't we? I am no longer a slave. This is what it looks like when people move out from slave-like living, orphanitis. No longer slaves, but the children of God, sons and daughters. Today the Spirit has been um, touching on the pathways of pain and inviting people to come and lead, let God lead them back into the pathway of life. Be born again. Give our hearts to Jesus. Partner with the Holy Spirit. He has a full and flourishing life for you. Hebrews, uh, Hebrews 2.10, today the work of the Father is this. He is bringing many sons and I'll say daughters to glory. Jesus said, I'm on about my Father's business. Imagine that, fully flourishing, alive human beings. The hope of God revealed in Jesus and for us all. So I'm going to pray and invite Jesus to tra continue to transform the lens through which you now see yourself and the people you live with. Let's pray. Wow, God, this really is like a totally like supernatural thing. This is totally supernatural. Uh, this is your Holy Spirit, your love crashing into the core of who we are. That we might be born again and come fully alive. I thank you that, Lord, the scriptures, the long story of the scriptures tell us so generously time and time again of your absolute commitment and love to your original plan that all people would have a full life bearing the image of God. And I just pray, Holy Spirit, right now that you would begin uh, just a conversation with each of us right where we are for each of us. Just about the lens. We need that annual checkup with our lens. Maybe we need an upgrade with the intensity of that lens and the capacity of that lens. That's all it's been there, but we just we need an upgrade so we can see clearly again. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit.
I just, in, in God's kindness, there's some of us today where he's saying, I, I want to bring you alive in some of the areas of your soul, the way you think. I want to bring you alive in, in your emotional intelligence and, and the emotional health of who you are. And some of us, like, there's parts of our flesh that Jesus is actually wanting to bring alive to him. And we've been struggling with parts of our flesh to know what to do with these urges, these feelings, these thoughts, these dynamics. He's just, he just wants to bring you freedom and bring you life so that you're not a slave to it, but that you're a son or a daughter of God, fully alive. Some, some of us, it's our thought life. It's our, it's our mental health. It's our mental health. God in his kindness wants to touch that with the informing new life that he's placed in you by the power of his spirit. Bring healing and a new lens. And where there's been... Um, for whatever reason, he, he, he just wants to bring life. That's what he's on about. So that you can see clearly. For some of you, it's like a fog. It's just like the fog that's been in your head for so long. It's like when the wind comes finally, a bit like it's hitting the building today. It's like it just blows it away. It just... The fog gets cleared and you can, you can see again and you can think clearly again and it's like your mind is, it's, it's, it's alive. For some of you, that's what God's doing today. For some of you, there's a, there's a conversation that's going on in your will. And you've been going around the mountain and going around the mountain and going around the mountain and God's just saying, would you, would you follow me? Would you, would, you, would you give me this? Would you let me show you another way? It means you've got to hand over the reins, hand over your will, let it become alive, flourish again. Some of us, it's like there's this, been this great sense of like suspicion. I don't know. I just don't know if I can trust. God wants to show you how good he is and how trustworthy he is. He's demonstrated that in the resurrection of Jesus and he now wants to live in you. And bring you alive. There's, so, there's, there's a lot going on in this room right now. And in the words of Paul, I implore you, I implore you, be reconciled to God. Be reconciled in those places today.